And we always enjoy being able to open scripture together. There's something special and sacred about it. And it's even more special when we get to read it together. And so there's a verse that's gonna kind of set the tone for the service today, found in Ecclesiastes chapter four and verse 12. It's on the screen. Can we in our big boy, big girl voices, can we read this out loud, good and strong? Let's read it together. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Turn to your neighbor, at least three different people, and tell them, let's triple stack it. Go ahead, tell these three people, let's triple stack it. And then you can be seated. Triple stack. When I was uh, in uh, my early years of playing baseball, uh, I got the the great honor and great moment where I was able to do a unassisted triple play. It was fantastic. I thought for sure the St. Louis Cardinals were going to be calling me as a middle schooler to come up to the majors. Obviously, I'm a pastor. That didn't work out. but it was a lot of fun. I, I love this idea of, of three. Three is a, a pretty incredible and pertinent number all, all through Scripture. But in our own lives, some of the things that we love the most come in, come in threes, like, like triple scoops of ice cream. Come on, that's when Jesus shows up. Right there, triple scoop. Or, or, or for you fellas out there, a triple stacked burger. Come on, some add a little bacon, some, some cheese, a few jalapenos. Right? And you'll be crying out to the Lord within a few hours. I promise. It'll be triple, triple stack, triple approach, trilogies like the Lord of the Rings. Fantastic. Love things that come in in threes. The first three Jason Bourne movies. Then they just kept adding on. I was like, nah, you've ruined it. Just should have stuck with the three of them. The three Stooges, the three Musketeers, the three Amigos. I don't, I will not confirm nor deny that I've watched that movie multiple times in my life. I believe that we serve a, a triune God, a, a, three, a, a God who has three distinct roles, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They all together are the God that we worship, but distinct roles and realities. Jesus was in the tomb, and he says, I'm going to be buried, but don't wait, because three days later, I'm going to come back. And we're going to have a reason to celebrate. And that's why we gather here in this place. I think that three is an important number, but whether you realize it or not, you yourself are an individual comprised of three parts. You are a spirit. That's what lives forever. You have a soul. That's your mind, your will, your intellect. And you live in a body. Your body is... Aging, changing, your, your body isn't what lives. It's your spirit that, that, that brings life to you, but we are these three distinct parts. Each part, I believe, God wants you to experience full, abundant, joyous, satisfying life. I believe that your spirit, what makes a healthy spirit, is somebody who recognizes a steady diet of time in the word, time in prayer, and time in worship. That makes for a strong, healthy spirit. Your body, I believe, can be healed in three ways. God brings healing to our bodies in three ways. He can heal your body naturally. 
He can heal it medically, and he can heal it miraculously. It's three-pronged, a triple-stacked approach to health in your body. I believe that there's a triple-stack approach that we need to take when it comes to our souls, our mind, our will, our reasoning, our, our emotions. I believe there's a triple-stack approach that we need to take to that. I believe that Christ plays a role in it. I believe that the community of Christ plays a role in it, the body of Christ. Spiritual, faith-filled relationships play a role in it. But I also believe that counseling plays a role in our souls being healthy. It's a triple-stacked approach. Why? Because a strand of three isn't easily broken. In 3 John verse, chapter 1 and verse 2, he says this. He says, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you. How many of you would sign up for that right there? Good health and everything going well. Financially, marriage, relationships, schoolwork, everything would go well. Come on, your team wouldn't get swept in the National League Championship Series. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna probably need counseling after the Nationals put a whooping on my Cardinals. It's true. I've had to ask for forgiveness from the Lord for words that just... Jesus loves me. It's fine. Right? Like, I, I believe that he, God wants you to enjoy health and that all would go well with you. L- listen to this. Just as your soul gets along well. I wonder if some of us, we've had a good spiritual encounter. We're doing things in the physical. But in our souls, we've left it untended to. And because it isn't going well in our soul, everything else around us might be still unraveling. Why? Because all three God wants you to be healthy in. He wants your spirit, your body, and your soul healthy. And so today, and even all through this series, Life in the Darkness, we've really been talking about some of the things as it relates to our soul. And today we really want to focus in our conversation today and look at what what God says and, and how God wants to help us have a triple stacked approach to finding health and wholeness in our soul with our mind, our will, our emotions how God wants us to live in health in those areas. And I've invited a friend of mine who is a a pastor and licensed counselor therapist from the Kansas City area, kind of recently moved. He and his wife, Michelle, and their new baby, Miriam, who's asleep and so don't make a lot of noise. No, I'm just kidding. She's out. She's, she's good to go. They, they moved to Kansas City to, as, as uh, Michelle is leading the way and planning a church. And so we're excited. Uh, we're, we're becoming good friends. And uh, today we're going to have a great conversation as it relates to our soul. So church, would you stand and give a great big welcome to my friend, Brian James McMahon, as he comes, joins me. Amen. He is my bearded spirit animal, my facial hair goals right here. It's great to have you. I'm so glad, uh, Brian James, that you came and made the drive down this morning to be with us. Uh, why, don't, why don't you kind of introduce kind of yourself, a little bit of your, of your story, how you got to Kansas City and your practice even yeah. that, as it's growing and building and kind of let us in a little bit on who you are. Well, I, I just want to say thank you for having me. But even more than that, thank you for being a community that's open to having these kinds of conversations. I think any time um, we enter into the part of the conversation that has the word dark in it, 
Mm-hmm. Right? We're talking about life in the darkness. Yep. Um, because all of us have these places and experiences in our lives that have not yet been fully made light. And any time we enter into a conversation that has anything to do with darkness, there's all sorts of internal experiences that we all have. Yeah. And it takes yeah. a great amount of courage to even open the door to these conversations. Yeah. So I want to thank you for being a community of courage to show up today to lean into this conversation. I want to thank you for being a pastor who leads your people into these conversations. Um, these are really important. Um, and I, I take it as a real privilege and honor to be here to participate with you in the courage that you're extending today. Um, so thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, we did, we, my wife and I, we, we recently relocated from Los Angeles um, to Kansas City. We love Kansas City. Um, I personally... Um, I, I describe myself as someone who just tries to make everything more complicated than it started out to be, and we're going to see how we do with that today. Um, but part of that is I've, I grew up in the in-between. So I, I was an American. I grew up in China. Then I moved back to America. And so I, my whole experience is kind of between things, never fully, totally in one thing. Even this is how I hold my career. Like I'm a counselor, but I'm in ministry with my wife, and so I'm in the church, but I'm also in psychology. And I, I live in this space of in-between, mm. um, which I, I also often find that I, I find Jesus in the in-between a yeah, whole lot, too. so good. Right, and we're sitting, and that's kind of where we sit in this conversation, is this, it's this in-between, that Jesus is already at work in us, yep. but the work of Jesus is not yet finalized. Yeah. So we're in this in-between space where we enter in, and it is messy. Um, and so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. That's so good. Church, church we're going to dive into these conversations today, and I want to encourage you. I've got my notepad and my pen out. I'm taking notes again. <laughs> I wrote several things down as he was talking in the first service. I know God's going to speak to him again. And so I want to encourage you to get something out to take some notes, whether you grab your phone and you go to the central hub and take some notes there or track along with us as we kind of have this conversation because we're, we're finding, and, and you're, you experience it even, even more so, encounter it probably more so than I do, but even amongst people who have found faith in Jesus... Uh, there is a growing awareness and an acknowledgement, I would say, of, of these mental illness, of stress, of anxiety, of depression, even suicide. And these are things that are creating a sense of even unraveling of people's lives, of their marriages, of their family structure, of businesses, of their, of their faith even, causes faith to unravel in them. And this is, these are real, real serious, true topics. Um, but what are some of the things that you're seeing, some, even some of the statistics that, yeah. that you're, you're recognizing? Well, I think the, statistically, one of the things that, that I hold um, curiosity about, but also a great deal of sadness, is when we think about mental health, whether it's anxiety, depression, things like bipolar, marital discord, relational conflict, the statistically, we don't actually see a great deal of difference between the numbers in the church and the numbers outside of the church. Mm. Um, that this is something that, which surprises me in some sense because we have the spirit of Jesus in us that is yeah. bringing life and bringing fullness, yeah. which tells me that there's, there's a place that we get stuck in this. And this mm-hmm. is actually the reason I became a therapist after a number of years of youth ministry and church planting and going, there, there's a, something that happens that, that isn't just about the connection with God, yeah. but it has to do with the connection we experience with others that seems to inhibit ourselves from experiencing all that God has for us. Yeah. So when I think about mental illness, and I'm thinking about anxiety, I'm thinking about depression, um, I'm thinking about um, conflict that arises in relationships, one of the things that, I, that I'm noticing that I see, and to me, sits underneath all of those different manifestations and expressions, um, is the experience of pain and disconnection. Hmm. 
I don't think any of us want that to be there. Yeah. And yet I find with everyone that I talk to that there's these places inside of us that have been hurt, relationships we've had that have gone sour. We didn't all come up with parents that knew how to be parents. We had parents that tried the best, and sometimes the best still injured us. We've been in relationships with people who didn't know how to do relationship. And sometimes we have things going on in our bodies that almost set us up to get stuck. And in all of this, it, it comes from and continues to feed these experiences of disconnection, yeah. of I'm alone in this world, that I'm carrying this pain yeah. by myself. So when I look at all the statistics, that's what I sit underneath it. The manifestations are quite concerning. The, the rates of depression and anxiety continue to grow. Statistically, this is the loneliest era of time. All wow. the research suggests that we have never been a society that feels more alone than we do today. Um, the rates of suicide, um, it's in the top 10 reasons, causes of death nationally among all age groups. Um, it's the second leading cause of death among the younger generation, those like 35 and under right now. It's the second leading cause of death. In, in the way, like the, one of the reasons is because of the amount of pain that is present that we don't know what to do with. Right, the darkness that, that in some ways we can have these experiences where the darkness almost starts to feel like it's overwhelming us and beginning to consume us. We don't know how to get out of it. We don't know what to do with it. Um, it begins to really feed, and, and we see a lot of these. So it's, it's prevalent, and it's in the church, and it's outside of the church. Yeah, and it's young and old young and alike. Old. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's kind of one of those things that just mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're becoming more and more aware of because we live in a, in a broken world and yes. and we all have human experiences in the midst of, what, in, of those things. And in, in many ways, like when we think theologically, right, when we were created in God, the, the story in the second chapter of Genesis where it says that God created man and he put man in the garden and he gave man a purpose. So man is sitting in paradise hanging out with God. Uh, we would think this would be great. And then God looks at this and goes, this isn't good that man is alone. And he creates woman as a partner in this moment. That actually from the beginning, this is our theology, from the beginning of time, we were created to experience fullness of life with God and fullness of life with one another. Yeah. And when we're talking about mental health, what I'm seeing over and over again is even for those of us as followers of Jesus who are experiencing more and more fullness with God, we are not experiencing the fullness of life with one another that God has come for us, and it manifests in a lot of different ways. Absolutely. You know, we, we read a minute ago in, in 3 John 1 and 2 where it says that, that, that the desire is that we would be in health, that we would have strong, healthy connections, and that we would prosper and, and be well just as our soul would kind of come alongside and, and be healthy. And oftentimes it is these, these components of soul but, but Christ came to die for our souls, too. Like, he came to, to, to do that. And I really do believe that, that Christ and, and what, what he did on the cross is a central component and often missing component for people when it comes to being healthy and whole. What would you say or, or share with us about this, this component of our health? What, what role does Christ play in us becoming healthy in our souls. So when I, when I think about wholeness, there's really two things that are really fundamental to experiences of wholeness. One is the experience of love. When the, it is the experience of love that is what establishes us in our identity that says, I have value, I have a place, I have worth, I have something to offer, I belong here, right? These experiences of love that allow us to know who we are and what our place is. 
right? And what Jesus does, when Jesus came and lived and died and came back to life, and when we meet Jesus, we have this experience of Jesus going, you belong with me. I see you, and I care about you, and you have value, and you have worth, and you were made for a purpose, and you have a place of belonging. Come and be with me. And this experience of the love of God through Jesus is where we get grounded in our identity, in our sense of self. That actually, we, we all have had experiences where we kind of wander from our identity, and we get lost, and, and we come back, and Jesus reminds us, hey, this, this is who you are. And so, what, like where we start yeah. is with what Jesus says about us, who Jesus made us to be, and that so sense good. of identity that grounds us. Yeah, um, and good. this is foundation. I mean, I have, my office are filled with people we don't know who we are, yeah. right? And how much internal chaos is there when we're like, I, I don't know who, do I, do I belong? Do I have worth? Do I have value? And that creates this internal chaos that this has to get aligned mm. because you can imagine if I'm trying to do relationship with you, and my internal is just chaos because I have no identity. I don't yeah. know even if I belong, and I'm going to kind of lean into you, but I'm hesitant. I don't know if I belong with you, and maybe you don't think I belong with you. And it, it just creates space for disconnection and chaos. So that yeah. sense of identity is so important as a starting point of going, who, who am I? How has God made me? Do I have value? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that understanding is that it is Christ who resets and renews and recenters us into our true identity, who he's made us to be. And it's from that place of identity that we actually live out our lives. And so if our behavior isn't aligned with what we would feel like is God's priorities or even health, most of the time it's because we, we've misplaced our identity or, or our identity hasn't been shaped fully in who Christ is and that tension of, of the two. Um, we, we know Jesus. Jesus loves us. He wants to save us, set us right on the inside. That's it's kind of a great starting point. But there is that, that second you know, prong, if you will, or second braid uh, is the sense of community and, and the church or the people of God, the body of Christ. What role would you say that you know, the body of Christ and community plays in our ability to, to find health in our soul? Yeah. So the two things, right, that are about wholeness and allowing us to, to experience wholeness, one is that love that we experience against identity. The second is experiences of trust and safety in relationship. Mm. This is where we actually find courage to keep going, right? And to me, this is where the Apostle Paul, when he writes, work out your salvation, right? There's a working out, there's an action, there's a participation. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. When I think about trying to lean into relationships with humans, there's all sorts of fear and trembling, yeah. right? Like, we just need to, like, that's the starting point of honesty. Like, humans' relationships are messy, yeah. right? We as people actually are inherently not good at relationships right now. Um, we want to be. Uh, one of the reasons I think God is so safe is, like, yeah. God's got my back. God doesn't betray me. God's always there when I need him. God speaks love over me all the time. Yep. I got a lot of relationships in my life that don't always meet those criteria, yeah. right? There are a lot of relationships that I'll walk into, and maybe not the first day, um, but maybe day three, I'll get hurt. Like I, was, I was thinking, um, when I first got married, and we went through premarital, like, we did work, like, I thought, like, I'm ready yeah. to be married, like, I'm good, we got this, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Probably... Not really five minutes in, but what felt like five minutes in a marriage, like we were brand new married. <laughs> we're, we're in our apartment, and we're in 
Um, and I, I don't cook. Like, I haven't cooked. I'm learning to cook. I'm growing. It's one of the things that God is stirring in me to participate more in. Um, you, are, you are one brave soul. But I, I grew up in a home where um, my mom did all the cooking, and whenever my dad would cook and he would make a mistake, my mom would just, like, shame my dad. Right, so I grew up watching like the things that were said when my dad wouldn't do a good job that would just like tear him down. So this is what I observed growing up, right? So I'm married. This isn't in my head at all, right? This is pre-existing experiences. I'm married. My marriage isn't like my parents' marriage. We're going to do it differently, right? Like like all the ways that we get into marriage. So I'm literally in the kitchen. And I'm going, I'm going to be the husband that cooks. Yeah. I'm going to overcome my sense of incompetence. I can do this. <laughs> and I'm in the kitchen trying to cook. And my wife, who loves me dearly, is like outside the kitchen watching me. And I imagine what was in her head was, oh, this poor soul. Um, he just needs a little assistance. And so she comes in. And I'm sure she came in really gently and was like, hey, can I, can I show you how to cut that? Yeah. Right? So she just comes in. And so what, if you were watching, what you would have witnessed was, her just kind of coming in and going, hey, can I, can I show you how to do this? And she kind of takes the knife to model for me, right, good teaching behavior. And what you would have seen me do is just kind of drop the knife and just walk out of the kitchen. <laughs> right? Because immediately what I felt was, yeah. see, I'm incompetent. See, mm-hmm. I can't do this. See, like the shame that hit yeah. for me. We all come into relationships with pain from previous experiences. Yeah. No relationship except for like when you're a baby. And so having a baby, I'm not terrified of all the injuries that I'm causing her that she'll now carry into <laughs> all of the relationships come after, right? Parental anxiety, yeah. anyone? Yeah. Um, but no, none of us enter a relationship with a clean slate. All of us enter a relationship with the experiences that we've carried in behind us, which for many of us create these wounds, Mm -hmm. that create these triggers, right? When I'm hurt, right, when my wife walked into the kitchen, I did not turn around and go like, I am so glad you're here to teach me how to do this. Like, we're partners in this. Like, I didn't open, I was like, like, nope, not doing this, shame, walked out, I disconnected. Because when we experience pain, the natural response of humans is to close up and guard ourselves. Here, yeah. using, I'll use you as an example, right? When we start in life, we start from a posture of openness, right? My yeah. daughter comes in the world like, love me, feed me, change my diaper, right? Like, just do it all. Bring yeah. it on, yeah. right? I haven't, like, gone to feed her, and she's like, no, I hate you, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't happen. That comes later. Yeah, right. Right, so yeah. this is the posture that we start with, yeah. right? Now, over time, you'll get hurt. And you'll start to do this, right? Some of us do this in a protective pose. Some of us do this like, I'm not going to get hurt again, right? Either way, you're guarded. Now, I want to do relationship with you. Now, on the outside, right, you may be like this, right? Like, love you. Let's do relationship. Like, let's have a good time. Inside, you might be like this, like, hey, the last guy that had a beard that I tried to be friends with, (laughs) like, it went bad, right? (laughs) Smiling on the outside, guarded on the inside. So I'm going to come in going like, hey, let's do relationship. Yeah. And instead of a hug, I get a slap in the face. Now, when I'm coming in, if I get slapped in the face, what do you think I'm going to do? Yeah. Like, not again. Now, this, if you're married, you experience this all the time, that, that we end up doing this, like, rotation where I'm open to relationship, you're guarded, I guard myself, you're not open, let's do this, I'm, the fight's over. And then you're coming up, nope, fight's still going. You guard, oh, fight's over, let's go. Nope, fight's still going. And you just go over and over again, right? When we experience pain, yeah, it's so good. our natural instinct is to disconnect and to protect ourselves. Yeah. 
which makes perfect sense if the goal is to be safe. Mm. It doesn't work if the goal is to be connected and to experience the fullness of community that Jesus has for us. Yeah, that's good. Right? This creates the conflict that none of us like that feeling of being hurt. And yet, if we walk into relationship, the statistics on, like, the likelihood of you being hurt are, like, in any given relationship at some point over time are probably, like, 99%, right? In our churches, like, I think as pastors, our heart is that our churches are safe places. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for some, they are safe. But not all of us come into a church having had wonderful prior experiences with Mm. church and communities, right? Some of us are sitting here today going, like, I, this person looked at me weird last week. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to do relationship with them. Or yeah. we've gone to home groups or connect groups and opened up and had that experience of like, let me bear my soul. <laughs> and then everyone just kind of looks at you and blinks. <laughs> and then you're like, I don't know what that means. And maybe yeah. I need to guard myself back up. Yeah. Like it is hard to do relationship, yeah, so which good. is where kind of what we're talking about is like, we need to be honest about that. Yeah. Right? If we hold this, this imagination in our minds that relationship is easy and we can all do it and we just walk into it and we just need to find the right people and then yeah. relationship will work out, there are no right people. Yeah. There is no right church. Yeah, good. Every church ends up with people in the community who end up being hurt. We yeah. as pastors... We don't want to. We end up hurting our people. As a therapist, I care about the people who come to my room. There are moments where I end up unintentionally hurting my clients because I'm a human. They're humans. We all carry that stuff with us. So when we talk about the role of community, community is the place where we actually work out our salvation. Yeah, so good. It's good. Yeah. It's tempting to say, you know what my walk with Jesus is going to look like? I am going to be open and connected to God. Right? We literally, we do this in worship. We open up to yeah, connection with God. Good. And the temptation is, I got this, but when I come out, I'm going to be like this with the people around me. Mm-hmm. And we all wrestle with that. And it's not inherently wrong, right? We all have people that we probably shouldn't be open with. Yeah. Let's not pretend <laughs> yeah. that we should yeah. just walk around being open. And yeah. we need to, like, there's some wisdom. We were talking about, like, gushing and how yeah, some of us, like, yeah. overshares, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I've been blocked my whole life. I've been guarded. Now I want you to know everything about me. My <laughs> wife calls this emotional hookups. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, let's just get emotionally <laughs> naked, and now you see my soul. And, like, that's not necessarily wise either yeah. because relationships grow over time. Relationships are messy, and we, we need to be wise about it. Absolutely. I think one of the things I know for us as a church we recognize that you don't need to know everyone, but everyone needs to be known by somebody. Yes. You don't need to know everybody and everybody's business and everything, but somebody needs to know just about everything about you. You need to have at least a relationship, and and I would, to be honest, recommend three. That seems like a good number (laughs) for whatever reason. (laughs) That of people that you really can be true and trusted yep. with, mm-hmm. and it takes time to find those relationships, to build those things, to, to be appropriately vulnerable and or appropriately accessible in the right moments and times so that you can be known and, and others can know you. I, you mentioned it a minute ago where it really is, this is where like immediately we get saved by Christ. Like we say yes to Jesus our spirits are made alive and made new and made perfect, but our souls are way in process yep. still. Yep. 
And because we're in this process, that's where that scripture that you were referencing a minute ago, working out your salvation with fear and trembling, this sense of like, I'm scared to do this with you, but I know I need to do this with you. I'm I'm not sure if I can trust you, but I want to trust someone. And and we we walk this process some slowly, and, and you interact in that way because the healing and the health that we need, long for, crave for, and we're designed for does have a component of other people, and we need to recognize the role that that, that, that plays. Uh, so, so we know we, we need Christ. We need community in the body of Christ. But there's a third part to this that really brings a strength and a health to our beings, and that's this area of counseling. And over the years growing up, I know in my environment, Anytime we talked about mental health, mental illness, or, or depression, it was like, well, you're just demon-possessed, and you need to get set free, and uh, you don't need to talk to a counselor because then your faith isn't working, and you just need to be a person of faith, and if you really had faith, you wouldn't be controlled by your emotions, and, and that's kind of the environment, and, and it kind of became a little toxic in some ways, and, and now I think, for thankfully... The church and leaders in the church and people of faith are recognizing it's okay to have Jesus, the church, and a therapist. Like, those are all really good components and advocates for health inside of you. And, uh, and so I know, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, as a counselor, you're pro-counseling. A little bit. I'm going to go on, go on that. Yeah. Talk to us for a little yeah. bit about the role from your perspective, yeah. and even you know, as you look at the yeah. broader perspective of the body of Christ, that counseling can and maybe even should have in, in our lives. So I think as, as humans, I can't speak for all time, but in our current era, I think we are really masterful at not looking at we, what we don't want to see. Mm, wow. And all of us have things that we wish did not exist, mm-hmm. experiences that we wish did not happen, feelings that we wish we did not feel, relationships that we wish weren't this way. We all have things that we wish didn't exist. And when we have things that we don't want to see and we push them to the side, I'm going to tell you, what I see in my office is a lot of my clients who are dealing with anxiety are anxious because they're working so hard to keep these things that they don't want to look at at bay. Wow. Wow. Jesus was not scared of seeing anything. Think about the people that Jesus walked with, the people that Jesus invited into space, the people who Jesus wanted to be with. Um, I think biblically, there's, there's two talking about light and darkness, right? And we're in this yeah. series about life in the darkness. We, we know that Jesus is the light that comes in, and where there is light, there is no darkness, right? The, yeah. the light comes in and illuminates what's dark and brings in the light. And many of us have had these experiences of transformation, of having like light come in and the lights come on and like, oh my gosh, I'm, there's a healing that occurs, Right? Yeah. There's, there's a, a scripture in, in Psalm 139 where the psalmist is talking about um, fleeing from God and trying to run. And he goes, if I go to the heavens, you're there. If I go to the depths of the earth, you're there. Yeah. And he makes this statement where he says, even the darkness is not dark to you. Yeah. He doesn't say you make the darkness light. He says, even the darkness is not dark to you, which means that God can see in the dark. God always sees in the dark. And one of the reasons that I went to, got training as a therapist and sit and allow God to guide me into the role of a therapist is we all need people who can see in the dark. Because when we choose to look at the things that we've been not wanting to look at, 
whether it's in our personal lives, whether it's in our marriages, when we start to look at that darkness, it is scary. And if we're honest, there's a lot of people in our lives who don't know what to do with that darkness. They can't see in the darkness. Actually, we've got people who, when they see our darkness, panic. And then that makes us want to run further. That one of the things that I do as a counselor, as a therapist, is enter into the darkness and say, God is here too. Yeah, it's good. God is with us in this space, even in the darkness. And this, to me, is an essential component that comes back into the community. Mm. It's really hard to be open when I'm trying to hide the darkness that I'm carrying. Yeah. I actually can't do both at the same time. So if I want to be connected, if I want to experience community, I actually have to do the scary process of allowing what is in the dark to be opened, allowing what I'm holding at bay to be released, maybe even feeling the things that I wish I did not feel, yeah. and allowing them to come up. So good. What would you encourage us with? What are some maybe... Because we're, we're looking at a, at a group of people and those even listening later online, walking in a lot of different scenarios, and no two situations are identical. Yeah. No two stories are paralleled perfectly. What would you give kind of in, in specifics, but broad enough that maybe here are some, some key next steps that we all can take as we're kind of pursuing health in this component? Can I triple stack it? Yeah, go ahead. Three. Triple stack it. I like it. I like it. Let's go. Okay. The first one is we've got to be vulnerable. And what I mean by vulnerable is honest with ourselves. Right? I have to know what's the darkness that I'm hiding? What am I holding at bay? I can't pretend to be open while I'm still holding things at bay. There's a moment in this vulnerability of going, you know what? I wish that I felt safe in this relationship. I wish that I wanted to open them. Actually, sometimes the most vulnerable thing to say is, I like you. I wish I could be vulnerable, but I can't. Wow. Right, if in our home groups, if in our small groups, if in our relationships, like that's the starting place is to say, I want to learn how to do this. I want to open up, but actually right now I got all sorts of things that are telling me like, don't trust you, keep this closed. Like I have bad experiences that sometimes our starting place is to go like, guys, I, I don't feel safe to do this. This feels too risky. That is also vulnerable because that's honest, Yeah. right? We're not lost because we don't know where we're going. We get lost because we don't know where we are. Wow, and so if we good. don't know where we are, if we don't learn and look at this is where I am, yeah. we'll never get to the place we want to go in our relationships Amazing. with God, in yeah. our relationships with community, in our marriages. So good. We have to start with personal vulnerability and honesty going, this is the deal. This is what it is. This is where I'm at. I don't have to like it. Actually, most of us won't like it, yeah. but it's where we are. So we start there. The second thing is we got to be brave. We got to be brave. Relationships are not easy. You will get hurt. When you choose to let down your guard and open yourself up with someone, you're going to find the person you're opening yourself up to is not perfect. Whether it's day one or day 101, at some point you will get hurt. And we have to be brave to be able to talk about it. Right, the, the, the gut response is when I get hurt, I'm done with you. Let me back off and go find a safe relationship. We've got to be brave to lean in further. Can we talk about this? Can we figure out how to become safer for one another? That's so good. We can't necessarily be perfectly safe, yeah, but good. we can become safer yeah, if so we talk good. about it. Amen. So we got to be brave 
And the third one is we need to be wise. Not everyone is ready to go on this journey with you. Not everyone is able to handle your darkness. We need to be wise. However, wisdom cannot be an excuse for fear. That's good. Just because everyone isn't ready to do this with you doesn't mean no one is ready to do this with you. That we have to be wise. We don't overshare. We don't throw ourselves out there and hope that the people catch us. We do so thoughtfully. This is where if you don't know how to do this, like, come talk to me. Let's find a therapist for you. That one of the things that I do with people is how do we recognize I'm in a state where I'm guarded, but I don't want to be, but I have no idea what to do. I don't know how to be brave, and I don't even know what wisdom in relationships looks like. We're not all great at this. Most of us aren't great at this. I'm not great at this. It's good. So we need to be vulnerable with ourselves. We need to be brave with others. And we need to be wise in the process. So good. I'm so thankful for for what you've shared today, Brian James. It's been really, really helpful. I I want to share a verse with you as we kind of wrap this up. Isaiah 53 and verse 5 says this. But he, meaning Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. Wounds are external. Transgressions are acts that we commit, sins that we do. Jesus was wounded externally for the wrong things that we do externally. Don't miss this next part. But he was bruised for our iniquities. Those are the internal things. Bruising is bleeding internally for our iniquities, for our souls that aren't set right just yet. In other words, Jesus is the healer, both of your physical wrong transgressions and sins, but also of the internal pain and bleeding that you've experienced. Many of you are sitting here listening to this today, and you're like, that's good. I I think that's helpful. Yeah, that's good. And I think there are two lies that I just have felt like the Holy Spirit has whispered that some of you have bought into and you've already checked out of this message. Here are the lies. Number one, this is primarily for the men. And that's this, that if I get counseling or I admit my darkness, then I'm weak. Baloney. I almost said some other words, but this is church baloney recognizing that your soul needs to be healthy and it's not is not a sign of weakness here's the second lie I believe some of us have believed today is that if I go see a counselor that means I'm so broken I can't even get repaired baloney brokenness doesn't mean you're not beautiful Jesus wants to not only start the process, he wants to walk with you all the way through the process. Whether that's starting with salvation, finding community and a church that you can belong to, or finding a counselor that you can process and see the dark things that you've been hiding and ignoring for years. Beloved, friends, I want you to experience life where everything is going well. 
that you'll only experience that wellness to the degree that you're allowing your soul to be made whole. Would you bow your heads as we come to a moment of prayer today? If you're here and you'd say, Pastor, just by way of of acknowledgement and commitment, I'm going to make a decision to be vulnerable. I'm going to make a decision to be brave. I'm going to do something to be wise this week. If you would respond and say, I'm going to do one of those three things this week, just would you put a hand before the Lord and say, yeah, I'm going to do that. I think there's so many of us. This, this is so many of us today. Father, you see these hands of, of your beloved ones who are saying, God, I want to be more vulnerable. I, I want to be more brave. I want to be more wise with how I deal with the things that are going on the inside. Lord, help us to do that by your spirit. Draw us and move us forward. In Jesus' name.